I'm Aunt Kelly Anakin. And I'm Molly of Mitchell Sanchez. We're here to take birth control and talk about The Handmaid's Tale. And we're all out of birth control. Thanks, Trump. This is Red All Over, your handy Handmaid's Tale recap. Blessed be the fruit. Yay. Here we are. Oof. Episode Second, 12. The penultimate episode. Ooh, I love saying that word. Me too. And I feel like TV is the only reason I ever have a reason to say it. <laughs> I'm really like, ah, oh, tis Friday, the penultimate day of the week. It's, it's not, though. It's not. It's Saturday currently, so it's the ultimate day no, of the week. I, sure, yeah. That's funny that that's how you measure weeks. <laughs> yeah, and I don't. <laughs> okay. I was just trying to think of a reason to say penultimate nice. other than TV. Ooh, nice. You uh, know what? I'll just watch more TV. Okay, I great. think that's going to solve my problems. <laughs> so we got to do some housekeeping before we get into this episode. You can, and you have, donated it to us on Venmo.com slash read all over. It just helps us keep up with podcast expenses and buy Chloe uh, Kardashian brand jumpsuits, which I might do. Uh, <laughs> so thank you. Either way, it's very nice of you to throw some bones to a, a podcast you like. And we've gotten a lot we've gotten a lot so we are basically because of the way that we thank you taxing for molly's brain <laughs> um okay. but also we don't want to take up too much time in every episode so some of you who've donated might be in later episodes so if you're listening for your shout out it's coming yeah don't worry like we have more episodes coming you will get your shout outs yeah promise Okay, so for our episode 12 shout-outs, thank you, Jessica Perez. Perez, you should run for president. I would vote for you. Elizabeth Moore, great that your last name is that, because I want more of you in my life. Let's get lunch. Oh, this is a perfect, if we're doing last name puns, Vanessa de Jesus, Jesus Cristo, you are the best person in my life, Vanessa. I'm so proud of you. Okay, this is an interesting one. This is for Beverly Berry, who I think is actually Joyce L. Cox. Uh, your son sent in money to get you a shout out. So rad. Such a redhead move, to be honest. So sorry, Joycelle or Beverly. I think you commented on our Facebook that you hadn't heard it yet. Uh, but here it is. And your son is a sweetheart. And you know why he's a sweetheart? Because a person like you raised him. So good job. Thanks for being a fan. Last but not least, Lisa Langford. Lisa, it is Sunday, Saturday. God bless you this day. That's for you. Just kidding, Lisa. You thought you were the last person, but you're not. We actually have several more. Heather Curlow. Oh, I want to go on a furlough with Heather Curlow and have some fun. Annie Ho. I think you've donated before. And even if this is your first time, oh boy, you are fantastic. Aaron Bernal. Bernal. Berlater. It doesn't matter, Aaron. I think you're the bee's stinking knees. Lori Guthrie. Oh, Lori. Can I call you Lori? You are fantastic, and I think you look great today. Caitlin McDevitt. Oh, Caitlin, Caitlin, Caitlin. Take a second. Breathe in with me. Breathe out. <sighs> Untense your shoulders. Unclench your jaw, Caitlin. You deserve only nice things. Madison Canales. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Madison, you're the best. And last, but actually not least, is Hisepina Zanti. Wow, Hisepina. I hope I'm pronouncing your name right because I want to do right by you because you did right by us. All right. And that's all our Venmo shout outs. 
Woo! Thank you all so much. You are blowing our minds with your generosity this yeah. season. We really appreciate you. And then you can also find us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash red all over. And Molly's on Twitter at Sirius Molly. And Kelly's on Twitter at Kelly Anakin. That is true. Yay! Okay, all the housekeeping is done. We can get into... Unless somebody wants to clean my toilet, please come over. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're already here. Okay, I'll, I'll help you. I'll make you um, snacks. Okay. Season 3, episode 12, Sacrifice. Now, I wrote a list at the end of my notes over who is sacrificing what. Great. So we'll get to that Stoked later. For but it. you, how did you feel about this episode? I loved it. This might be my new favorite episode of the season. However, I truly hated the mental and physical experience of watching this episode (laughs) so much. Like, I could barely even look at my screen. That's the Handmaid's Tale. No, no, I know. I was like, oh, my God, it's back. It's really back. And I mean, and I loved God. I mean, um, it was so perfect coming off of what we had in episode 11 where, you know, there's this huge cathartic moment at the end, followed by that beautiful montage. And now we're seeing the emotional and practical fallout mm-hmm. for basically every character from this season. And I felt sick to my stomach. I was so stressed wow. out. I felt sick to my stomach for about two hours that is afterward. Nuts. And I could not sleep. And I couldn't even text you because I knew you weren't oh. watching it until later. <laughs> That's so funny because I definitely didn't feel as viscerally scared of this episode as I did episode 11 or episode 10 mm-hmm. where I like uh, honestly I told you my barometer for how much I like the episode is if I had nightmares I had handmade still nightmares after both of those and this one I slept like a GD baby mm-hmm. so we just both had different visceral no responses. I mean I just think you know but again it's great I think when we respond to different things because that means each of us is going to pull different right. details out of the episode but i just got to give a shout out to this writer <laughs> eric tukman tuckman not sure i've been saying tuckman tuckman but eric wrote the screenplay for the animated anastasia movie oh! like talk about a journey to the past oh my gosh and a personal journey to the past he also worked on two of my absolute favorite shows during my formative years early editions starring oh. the once and future coach taylor kyle chandler and dr quinn medicine woman starring uh open hearts jeweler oh. jane seymour nice not to be confused with the wife of henry the eighth <laughs> well i love anastasia so uh proud to support this man in all that he does so let's see this scene opens as most handmaid's tale scene does with june silhouetted in a window mm-hmm. but this time she's got a gun june has got, got a gun, gun. <laughs> they do now, not use that music there were no music now, cues listen, in this episode i'm so glad you brought that up because for once i was really craving a music cue because all that kept going off in my mind when i see this silhouette of like emos's beautiful stark face uh-huh. and the gun was like like the exhibit song like oh y'all gonna give it to me one more time or like th- i like i was seeing a million vine compilations thug, thug life oh compilations God. so once again somebody made a serena joy thug life for us years ago oh my god uh if somebody could please take this scene where she has a gun and do that and put that music in put little sunglasses falling on her face and a blunt sticking out of her mouth i would greatly appreciate it i mean i think everybody in gilead could really benefit from a hit or two come on get that medicine get that medicinal marijuana that's organic come on um, uh, also, I would just like to take this moment to say guns are bad, but also very cool. This yeah. whole scene, I was like, hell yeah. I know. I think that's I really a- want a Tiffany blue Glock. <laughs> God. 
I think that's such a, a to be fair I never wanted a gun until I found out you could get a Tiffany blue Glock and that was what really pushed me over the edge man now no I, I don't want that but uh I, I won't you. get you in for Christmas okay. then I, I do think that that's something interesting about American culture is like we know cigarettes are bad and we know guns are bad but damn if both cigarettes and guns don't look freaking wicked on TV well they also have very powerful lobbies that yeah. you know make sure that's what happens <laughs> so listen we're not saying buy a gun or smoke cigarettes that is explicitly definitely don't what we're saying yeah. unless you're Elizabeth Moss and you look cool with it but I'm guaranteeing none of y'all look as cool as Elizabeth Moss with a gun anyway i'm i'm so curious like this is you know this is chekhov's gun oh <laughs> literally Chekhov's it's literally gun. it was passed down for generations and then when commander lawrence was raiding museums he was like aha chekhov's gun i will take this <laughs> but um i you know who who is this gun for you know is it for what i really felt here was like is this for june to take herself out yeah i was thinking that or too. is it to kind of futilely shoot whoever shows up yeah you know for whatever reasons shooting your shot as the kids say yeah um, <laughs> so this is interesting to your point because in the middle of her like thug life montage bertha pops in and bertha is confused because she's like oh are we starting an all-girls gun club now? yeah um <laughs> so for a second so she kind of is doing this monologue of she's like uh-oh you hear the van mm-hmm. and you hear shoes outside the hall and I don't recall the exact words, but she says something like the end is coming when you hear shoes mm-hmm. down the hall. Yeah. And so for a second, I was like, oh, you know what the fake out's going to be? You know what it's going to be? I was like, it's about to be Nick up in here. I thought that, too. <laughs> I absolutely thought that. I but, love Bertha Rochester, yeah. though. Like, this is really, in so many ways, uh, an episode for her to shine. I mean, yeah. I mean, yes. <laughs> as an actor, not as a character, but like... Right. I loved this whole thing. She's like, hey, like there's people downstairs for like coffee and sandwiches. And then she sees the gun and she just says, you should leave that here. I and know. then she's like, pew! <laughs> it is kind of a rare moment. It's a rare oh. moment of her speaking reason to June instead of the other way around. Yeah, I love Bertha. Bertha. Ooh. Now, well, Bertha makes me stressed. I'm sure episode. nothing bad will ever happen to Bertha. Let's move on. <laughs> so they go downstairs and we hear little snippets of their conversation. And it's, be patient. They made a response. This is an act of an aggression. And June doesn't know this, but we know they're talking about Fred. Them stealing mm-hmm. the water. Yeah. Them, quote unquote. This is a literal stealing. textbook example of dramatic irony. And I just want to mention, too, that as she's walking past the art in the hallway, the art that we now know has been stolen, we see a very prominently featured uh, Johannes Vermeer painting. Yeah, Gilead probably would be much more down with Vermeer than Basquiat. Oh, yeah. Gilead fucking loves Vermeer because um, if you don't know, he's the artist that's featured in the movie Girl with the Pearl Earring. He paints the titular girl and all of his pictures are oh, his pictures. That's such a condescending way to say it. <laughs> all of his little pictures. Oh, we love your little pictures, There's Vermeer. So nice. So cute. No, all of Vermeer's art centers on women, like domestic women in stages mm-hmm. of work. But for The Handmaid's Tale, they always have their hair and heads covered mm-hmm. in a very reminiscent of a handmaidy way. I think there's also something, too, with, like, he invented a style of, like, looking at things through, like, a pretend camera. Anyway, that's what Colin Firth did in uh, 
girl with a pearl earring, which is interesting. Uh, we talk about how no details in this show are an accident, and mm-hmm. that's certainly not an accidental Yeah, one. and so June walks past the two. Oh, especially if we can... Sorry to interrupt, but especially if we considered they've very purposely taken all of the art from oh no the no, no exactly like and that was this, that was my point is right. that like this is still okay to leave interesting okay great and which reminds me a little bit of like alias grace mm-hmm. with the different domestics paintings all right mm-hmm. we can move on june passes by two guardians who i have named cue ball and kingpin perfect and she goes into <laughs> the kitchen where beth is and beth has a basket of communication tarts and Beth says, you're fucking amazing. And I'm like, Beth, don't encourage her, Beth. Beth. Beth, she responds very erratically to positive praise, okay? <laughs> Reel it in. Yeah, she's and, fucking fantastic. Yeah, and, and June, I'm sorry, fucking fantastic. Fucking amazing. <laughs> you understand how I get confused. No, 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 do Yeah, I get confused. The fucking and the amazing. Anyway, we don't know, and neither does June. What are you talking about, Beth? Because I'm like, how'd you get? That she killed a dude from those tarts. Yeah, how they eat. <laughs> but that's not what she's talking about. She's gotten word that Billy is in for this plane plan. Mm-hmm. And I am just continually astounded by what they can get out of those baked goods. It, you know, <laughs> keep keep your tea leaf reading, ladies. Start reading a croissant. Then that's going to impress me. I love that. They heard our our uh, note about steaks, and they really said it. They're like the flights in a week, mm-hmm. so you just have to like maintain for a week. And reader, they did not maintain. No things <laughs> did the opposite. <laughs> Whatever the opposite in of keeping it chill is, they did that. Um, so anyway, Sienna comes in, kind of says who's there, and June is like, "I'll take it." <laughs> so she goes in. She bypasses denise she yeah she pushes denise out of the way and she takes it and commander lawrence who we've been alternately calling j-law joey lawrence whitford there you're caught up uh, <laughs> <laughs> commander lawrence is in there and he notices this change and he goes is sienna busy yeah but he says it he says it in a smart alecky way which I appreciated. Which he's just like trying to convey like, June, Jesus Christ, slow your roll, you weirdo. She can't. She cannot. She is so physically incapable of slowing any roll. The the commanders who are in there are the true second string of Gilead's Boston contingent. We've got yeah, Matthew, uh, Matthew mm-hmm. whose last name I can't remember. I forget. I forget. It doesn't matter. An old uh, hook for a hand. Mr. Putnam. Mr. Putnam. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> of hook for a hand? Come here. Come here. Come here. <laughs> yeah, so it's Mr. Putnam and uh, Matthew. Last name unknown. <laughs> Let's say Matthew Perry. Okay. <laughs> so it's Mr. Putnam, Joseph Lawrence, and Matthew Perry. Oh, there. my God. And they're talking about what to do. And J-Law has his, his like, trademark flippancy mm-hmm. where he's like we're gonna have a meeting to plan a meeting and they're like damn it man there's a war on <laughs> oh we'd like for there to be <laughs> very much we've been very bored so they're really like trying and it, it, this is the first time i realized that like oh fuck with fred out of the way and with commander winslow out of the way there's a very real power vacuum mm-hmm. and the next i guess the next highest guy is Whitford. Is Whitford, yeah. Well, and I mean, particularly in Boston. Yes. Because we didn't uh-huh. get any insight into, like, what's the hierarchy in D.C.? Yeah. Who's, what's Maryland? You like? know, who's the vice grand high witch? Like, yeah. we don't know. Yeah. 
who's Marilyn. I'm sorry. I just got that. <laughs> yeah. Is Ace of Cakes Cakery still oh, around? Man. Uh, well, that's in Baltimore. Uh, yeah. Oh, well, sorry. Is that still around? As, as a huge fan of Kids Baking Championship. Well, you know I what? know more than the average baker about Duff Goldman. Well, the question still stands. Is Charm City Cake still there? <laughs> and can they make me a cake in the shape of an Old Bay canister? And how they eat. <laughs> Any hoozle. So they're having this sort of fight. And Mr. Putnam tells Matthew Perry to like, hey, chill out. Do you know who you're talking to? Which is especially, it's a very quick status reversal from last episode where Whitford's getting his credentials blocked and at the border. He makes that explicit here. Yeah. Because he's like, well, well, he's like, why are you coming to me? My security clearances have been revoked. And Mr. Putnam is like, that's politics. We can take care of that. That's yeah. not a big deal. I'm like, who are you, buddy? Yeah. He, Putnam definitely raped higher than i thought that he would mm-hmm. uh especially later because he's like giving the sermon later i was like damn they yeah. really are out of people <laughs> um, and the interesting thing we learn in this one is that uh natalie and matthew's son is still alive mm-hmm. and is like clinging to life he's yep. three pounds uh which is only one pound uh you know, away from the weight that I was at birth. No, no biggie. Wow. I was, I was a four pounder. I was giant. I was like almost <laughs> nine pounds. Wow. Yeah. Big head. Big head. Big head. Uh, so that's kind of interesting to know. Like that little baby is still yep. with us. He's doing it. They have this big kerfuffle and they leave. And they've they've said enough in this conversation that June has grokked that something is truly up. Yes. And then this is confirmed by Whitford. And he's like, well, lucky for you. They think that Winslow was just captured <sighs> because Fred and Serena just got arrested. So like we're probs off the hook. So that answers my question from last week, whether or not she told him exactly what happened. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't have, but I have trust issues. I will say this is like one of the few times recently where I'm like, you know what? June being saved in this way totally checks out. That totally, that, it makes sense. Yeah. Like, nobody could have known. Yeah. Nobody does know. And it fits, it, it's her getting away with something in a way that feels satisfying. Instead Agreed. of previous ways when it's been like, really? Mm, she's the executive producer of the show. Okay. <laughs> but now this is like a really good example of like, ah, yes, this feels fun. We feel on her side. Yes. In her getting away with stuff. So, woof, lucky for you. So he says the Waterfords are in Toronto facing trial as war criminals. Mm-hmm. And the thing he says kind of to himself is like, I guess they didn't bring him 52 kids. Mm-hmm. Which like, okay, hope that's still happening. Yep. Well, uh, that's that's the game of this episode. Oh, baby. You like, know I love it when you yeah. use sketch mm, terms on you're me. You're so welcome. <laughs> um, you know, they, this is, they, they have the plan. All the pieces are in place. As you said, all they have to do is maintain for a week. But this Fred and Serena thing, throwing a bunch of curveballs. There's even yet still more curveballs to come. I did appreciate that he was like, oh, you got away with murder. And then Viola Davis just pops out and goes, how to get away with murder. (laughs) And Shonda Rhimes buys another beach house. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Basically, anytime you say that phrase now, you're contractually obligated to buy Shonda Rhimes a beach house. Oh, crap. Oh, too late. Oh, man. I was almost out of debt, too. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I love this, how this scene ends with her laughing. 
because she's like a cracked mm-hmm. and b incredulous and see, like, definitely, like, you fucking lucked out, girl. It's so satisfying to see her, like, Grinch laugh like this. I really, and, and, like, but not, it's not a fully Grinch laugh because they're so genuine, but, like, she is all of us in that moment because the tension is, yeah. like, mildly, like, whoo. Now, I did feel a modicum of relief, mm-hmm. but then, for the record, I am never more stressed out by this show than when it seems like things are going well. I know. I, I was like, oh, no, we're, like, eight minutes in. We're fucked. I had a moment like that, too. Uh, actually, it's coming up, so I'll, I'll save it for then. I also, I liked, there was one redhead, and I apologize for not looking at what your name was, but they called her Stabby June. Nah, like, we've evolved yeah. past Grinch June, and now we're Stabby June. Yeah. And that was how I felt about this laugh because it's not, you know, it's not June, like baseline June, but we've moved beyond scheming into like a completely different ass space. Yeah, it's very much like that one picture of Anne Hathaway from Ocean's 8 where she's on the subway and she's cracking up, but she's holding a knife. <laughs> it's like that. Um, so the next scene is June outside in an umbrella. There's sirens and vans. And for a split second, you're like, Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. And it was a really good reminder for me that I need to buy a new umbrella. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, great. <laughs> uh, then we get to my favorite se- my favorite uh, prop set piece. That's what it's called. Either loaves and fishes or all flesh. I, I believe it's, it's loaves and fishes. They've said loaves and fishes. Yeah. We get very clear information that the butcher is here. So maybe it's like the all yeah. flesh department. Yeah, exactly. So she's in line with Alma and my huge note I wrote is, dude, stop talking about it. Yeah. Stop it. <laughs> Quit picking at it. Stop it. Quit it. Cut it out. People, like, stop talking in this grocery store. <laughs> so she kind of talks to Alma about her plan, and Alma's getting excited. And somehow Alma brings up, or June brings up, like, we could get Dylan, mm-hmm. who is Alma's son, who was a baby mm-hmm. when he was taken from her so it's probably like what five years old now Mm -hmm. yikes 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 so alma is kind of like okay maybe i can talk to the martha about Mm -hmm. getting well and she's june asks do you trust your martha Mm -hmm. and alma says yeah i mean she's a bitch but i trust her i feel like that's how you and i feel about each other it is no i know i was like (laughs) i feel so seen (laughs) (laughs) then Bruegel. Now listen again. Bruegel is short for Amanda Bruegel, who's the actress who plays Rita. You're caught up. Oh my god, I was so thrilled. I just love her face. I know, me too. More Bruegel's face on this show. More Bruegel's face in every show. I just want Amanda Bruegel to succeed. So more Bruegel's shine face. theory. Direct <laughs> your vibes on Amanda Bruegel. I know. Such a great actress. I'm so happy every time we can see her, except for. <laughs> This scene made my stomach sink because I was like, oh, fuck. Every time characters are happy together, something bad's going to happen. See, I like my stomach started hurting when June was laughing and it didn't stop for the rest of the episode. (laughs) So the whole time I was like, I could like I was like watching out of the corner of my eye. I was like shifting uncomfortably. It was very tough. This whole conversation can be summed up by this note that I wrote uh, is Bruegel is gonna die. Oh, no. She sure is. I had Yikes. that thought too, but I didn't write it down because basically she tells June that she's proud of her. Uh-huh. Once again, I'm like, no, 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 no. Don't <laughs> praise her. 
she's gonna do some bullshit and she does later do some bullshit so she wants to take a kid and june's like yeah absolutely the more the merrier we have a plane like come on it's like crazy rich asians up here (laughs) um so then i loved how they're they're talking over the potatoes ah the potatoes (laughs) and they hold hands over the potatoes in a very clear parallel to june and moira talking to each other Mm -hmm. through the bathroom Mm -hmm. stall and i will say though i was glad to hear bruegel tell june that she's proud because i just want bruegel to be proud of me you know yeah like if i had (laughs) you know like they'll have those like fundraisers where it's like oh if you like donate this amount a celebrity will leave you a voicemail like all i want is amanda bruegel to call me and be like i'm really proud of you kelly (laughs) i gotta say the thing that was like that for me was i went to go see that movie late night by mindy kaling uh and the character's name is molly and she (gasps) like me is trying to be a writer Uh and so hearing like a whole cast of people i like say wow molly you're a really good writer i sobbed during this oh like it's a it's a fine no, no, no. I, I understand i but i like wept because yeah. i just needed some, i needed something yeah you to just needed that validation that. something interesting i want to point out about this scene is sort of between them there so they have the potatoes in this trough uh beneath them potato trough oh the potato trough but between between them is a row of apples and so Mm -hmm. if we're going in our like biblical what do apples mean you know they signify like women making plans Mm -hmm. and knowing too much Mm -hmm. and fucking everything up (laughs) so it's like very telling that there's apples between these two women making plans knowing too much and fucking shit up and the woman who's not in the room who made and executed plans is serena and june is asking well because this is how the conversation comes up rita thinks she's got the scoop (laughs) she has like resting gossip face and she cannot wait to tell june and june has to be like oh i already know hate that my cool dad told me but she you know june's like did you have any idea and she's like yeah well serena you know was like really nice to me before she left and then june says she's only nice when she's up to something yeah and i was like yes well i think that was interesting too because as soon as she said that i was like oh no what happens to rita if the waterfords aren't there i mean presumably she gets reassigned somewhere but she's still like just chilling at home doing her own grocery shopping. I think that means Rita's throwing a kegger. I would love to go to a secret Martha kegger. I absolutely would go to a secret Martha kegger. (laughs) Great scene. I enjoyed this. Oh, also, uh, can I get a little, uh, can I get a little some preps because I was right about this Serena thing? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm so sorry. Yeah. No, listen. Give me my Bow down. Here... (laughs) I'm really proud of you. Thank you. <laughs> um, no, listen, I was wrong. Yeah. Literally everybody else was right. Everybody else knew they were right because they get the teaser for next on. <laughs> and everybody's like, well, in the teaser, it's very obvious. Well, I was like, I just oh. Say, sans teaser, I was correct. Yes, so, you were absolutely you. correct. I'm going to keep that soundbite from this episode yeah. and play it. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I mean, and I think that. It makes sense, like, all of Serena's reactions in that previous episode make sense in light of what we see happen in this episode. Because, I mean, I was like, oh, baby, you didn't think any of this through. This is going to be a deeply uncomfortable situation. Yeah. 
So I lo- I have to say I love this scene. I snapped my fingers so much they like almost bled during this scene because I was having such a great time watching this. So we open in the detention cell in Toronto. I think you mean the Ace Hotel because no, that's it really what it looks like. Look- I was like, "Fuck, dude! War criminals get such nice digs, <laughs> even though their crimes are much worse." This like holding cell. Like this is where people who get arrested for selling a dime bag of weed should go. Oh my god, war criminals! You should be in the fucking Count of Monte Cristo prison. Fuck. So anyway, I'm sure they have a nice DJ for Fred. You know, oh at the end god. of the day. He gets- bourbon in the, in the rooftop bar fuck right off yeah so <laughs> stupid hey the world you fucked up <laughs> yeah so uh yeah so they're in the ace hotel toronto basically <laughs> now listen serena comes in and they give each other big we gonna die kisses yeah which mm-hmm. you know we could all use some of those every now and then <sighs> correct even if we not gonna die <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, eventually we are you might as well bank up. Wait, oh. what? <laughs> oh, no. Wait a uh, minute. This, this whole thing is temporary and she'll be cherished? Uh, listen. <laughs> you know what, Molly? Let's get through this episode okay, and then we're going to have a chat. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, they are, like, doing prison macking. And he keeps trying to reassure her, like, it's okay. It's okay. I'm just worried about you. Gilead's going to come get us. My dad's going to come pick us up. We'll be fine. And and she's like, no, dude, you're facing life in prison or extradition. And he's like, it'll be fine. And she's like, you got to save yourself, buddy. Mm-hmm. And that's when everything in Fred's stupid Rube Goldberg oh, contraction oh, oh, oh. that he has instead of a brain, oh. he realizes what is happening and and serena is still very distraught yeah at what she's done yeah and his hand is on her neck and like doing a very weird scary was, like no it was pitch. horrible it was horrible this again i was so upset this whole episode there was no relief for me and you know basically he's like how could you do this and you know her is like i want to be with my daughter mm. and like fred's whole thing is like even like beneath all of the Gilead conditioning, he's like, bro, that's not your daughter. <laughs> I, I will say like the only I was just excited because I love any time Serena wins. Actually, that's not accurate because sometimes she wins and she really hurts people. But um, I liked when she wins over Fred, I guess. The only thing that was saving me is like just imagining the thug like compilation where she's like, you got to save yourself. And then all of a sudden be like, bam. <laughs> little glasses oh and a blunt God. fall down so listen if somebody wants to take this episode use clips and make a thug life compilation you will be my best friend um so i was so excited now i was this a callback line i meant to research it and then forgot but i pity the child that has you as her mother Oof, i don't know maybe uh, frick but We're like a billion emails if it is. it's t- look it's fine it's fine look this is what we train for molly that's right that's right no so i don't know but it was such a gut punch yeah and i think it's even more of a gut punch because there is some part of serena uh-huh. that agrees with him yeah. and it's just this is an emotionally brutal scene it's the bookend to the scene we saw with them in the bedroom i felt like and sort of the the two sides of intimacy where you can really 
you know, build somebody up and, and make them feel amazing, but you also have the power to just stick your finger right in the bullet hole in their heart. Man, and what a gorgeous scene. I was also very concerned that they were in there alone because yeah. I thought, I, like, he was, like, gonna choke her. Yeah. And I was like, um, danger? I mean, I shouldn't be surprised. Handmaids are just popping off. Rita's having a kegger. Yeah. Oof, it was a good scene. Yeah. And, yeah, oh, God, I love it so much. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. So the next scene is in the Lawrence house. June walks in on Eleanor, Bertha, crying. And she said she needs a minute. And I didn't know what was going on. No, I don't think you were supposed to. No, no, I, <laughs> I get it. But then they open the door and it's a prayer meeting. And it's Mrs. Winslow, Mrs. Putnam, Mr. Lawrence. And they're they're praying. They're praying for George's safe return. Now, I hope Reeser is in season four. Yeah. I want to see Reeser go fucking balls to the walls in season four. Like we get a lovely little hint of it. Yeah. She's my like she's my Serena. I think like no, no, no. Just like of the wives. I'm very into her whole thing. Oh, okay. Um, So and I just I love Elizabeth Reeser. Yeah. You know, the once in future Esme. (laughs) Uh, Shirley from the haunting of Hill House, like <sighs> yeah, very into her. So Reeser, hope they renewed your contract, baby. Need to. Oh boy, now this was the most stressful scene for it me. It was. It was really up there. I mean, and there. I mean, look, they they know what they're doing. They just stacked like stress on stress on stress yeah. on stress. So it's they're praying, and Mrs. Winslow and Mrs. Putnam say something to the effect of, "We're praying for the safe return of." Oh, oh, she's like, what are you going to do with your children? Yeah. And then Bertha goes, your children. It's like, Bertha, no! Yeah. Uh, and, you know, and, and Mrs. Winslow has a very down to, she's like, look, they're not going to let six children stay with a woman alone. Yeah. This so is sad. Gilead. Men are in charge. Yeah. And then Bertha, um, you know, I, did they show J-Law telling her about the plan or did that happen off screen? Okay. So J-Law clearly has told her about the plan oh i think june may have mentioned it at some point okay. as well at any rate she's like oh no no no, we'll just take him with us Ooh, i and, love his skating over yeah yeah, yeah. he was like yeah, yeah we have plenty of room absolutely bring them all down we'll play you know we'll, we'll play monopoly he says the most daddiest of dad things and he's like um me casa su casa yeah oh my god i should say white daddiest yeah white yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh oh my god anyway and uh, like you know everybody who's not putnam or winslow is like excellent on the aving say ildren chay <laughs> yeah my butthole was so tight during this whole scene. It, was it was so, so horrible boring. and like and you're just like bertha stop talking bertha stop talking be cool and she literally can't no one in this show is uh, able to be cool at any point except for alma <laughs> <laughs> and brugs and um, we even like we even know alma's like you know oh. we know how to how to unsettle her now yeah so that was a really stressful scene yeah but the thing that happens when we close out this scene is Mrs. Winslow looks June right in the face and she goes, I hope you pray for his safe return. Uh-huh. Like something is up. Something seemed up. I was like, I don't know how Fucked she up. could know what was happening. I don't know how either. But, but also, June's not doing a good job of looking concerned. No, she doesn't have a good Stabby face. June is in the room yeah. and it's like, hey, this is not a stabbing appropriate venue. No, 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 no. 
So the next scene. You keep that shit at Jezebel's. <laughs> the next scene is the world's cutest baby, Hikole. Oh, my God. Oh, and my it's, God. It's, it's Luke and Moira going through security at the Ace Hotel. <laughs> and I want a Luke and Moira spinoff. Yeah. Like, just them doing everyday annoying yeah. shit. Because, like, they're both very flustered. Moira's keeping it together far better than luke kind of but also you shouldn't be saying assassin in a security i thought that was great i love doing that shit i know that you're shocked that i enjoy saying provocative things but anyway like but like luke like left his phone in his pocket there and if you've ever tried to collapse a stroller in a high stress situation this scene is for you buddy because it's fucking horrible you're like not just it reminded me of my friend who had to travel cross country move cross country with two cats and she couldn't like <laughs> put a cat through the the security carousel. So she had to carry a cat through, <laughs> hand that cat to some stranger, which was already stressful, and then go back carry the other cat. And sometimes when I'm stressed, I think of like, well, at least I'm not as stressed as that woman trying to carry oh my two God. cats I, the airport. I too now shall adopt this because <laughs> that sounds awful. It does sound awful. So they are like fooling around getting the baby through the through the security and, and more does that you want us to put the kid through too yeah. <laughs> and god that baby's cute oh god. i can't deal with how cute like really great job baby juilliard it's turning a, out oh. just adorable ass baby actors and we know that ot had that talk with her about yeah acting, so i think so. she really took his notes to heart yeah, yeah but you know what when you're a natural like it doesn't really yeah, matter absolutely so Luke says this was part of the deal, which is interesting because we know from looking at sort of the discourse around episode 11 that Luke was there when the Waterfords were arrested. Yeah. So which he, I I didn't clock that at all. So I don't think I think I got cut out of the episode. Oh, really? I read something oh, okay. that said Hulu sent out stills of the episode and it, that ended okay, up being got it. In there. Well, either way, like hats off to our eagle eyed redheads for pointing this out there must have been some kind of deal between serena tuello and luke Mm -hmm. and we see sort of different parts of this deal being enacted like everybody the discourse you know before this was like is she gonna get the baby and it's not that she's gonna get the baby i think it's that she gets visitation she gets visitation and and heavily monitored visitation we don't know if this is you know into perpetuity Uh or if it's just this weekend and again Serena just did not think this through. No. And, you know, once again, you know, Gilead didn't consider maternal love and Serena didn't think about maternal love from either end of this because, you know, Treason and Coconuts comes in Mm. with this woman who looked so much like Margaret Atwood that I was like, is that and it's not i think you have old white woman face blindness yeah i don't think bonnie pinks looks anything like i thought she looked a lot like margaret atwood (laughs) anyway so she comes in and he's like all right this is the social services person bonnie pinks okay great (laughs) don't care if it's not margaret atwood i don't care (laughs) um Luke and Moira come in. Does no, Luke, just no Moira. just Moira. Okay, Moira Strand. We now learn that. Yes, I was just thinking about that as we've like had this whole conversation about the lack of care for like black women characters, and I was like, what is Moira's last name? <laughs> like, I know well, that's not quite the Bechtel Wallace test, but I'm like, we should know her last name by now. Now, the first thought I had when I saw Moira come in and see Serena Joy because she's seen her for the first time, and I'm I'm glad they made this explicit. But I wrote 
Moira's had sex with the commander. Uh, Moira was raped by the commander. Yeah. Moira was raped by the commander. So knowing that context going in and she makes it explicit later, it's Mm -hmm. like, oh boy. Yeah. And I love the way, and I think she does it deliberately. Like she has a relationship with this baby. She is one of this baby's primary caretakers. And that is on full display here. And, you know, she is addressing only the social services woman. Yeah. And Serena's like, don't talk about me. Like, I'm not here. And that's when Moira's like, you may have changed your clothes. Yeah. But you're, she says, I'm June's friend. Yeah. You may have changed your clothes, but you're still the person who held my friend down while my, while your husband raped her. And he raped me too at the whorehouse. And you know what? This is like what I was wanting when Luke confronted Serena Joy at the airport. Like Mm -hmm. that's what he wasn't saying. Yeah. And Moira's like, I'm not afraid. I'll be the guy. Well, I mean, you know, uh, women greater than slime dudes. Like just, you know, we're braver when it comes to that kind of thing. And, you know, Serena is just kind of like, uh, and I wonder, is this the first time that she, well, because did she know that they went to Jezebel's? But she's like, how, how much does she I know? I think so, because she found the dress. Right. And it's like, how much does she know, though, about the extent of Fred's infidelity to her? Oof. You I know? Because we know he was going without June. Right. So it's like, I mean, granted, she's already betrayed him by turning him into <laughs> Toronto's uh, war criminal division. I would say infidelity less than... Or war crimes. Yeah. But I mean, like from an emotional perspective. Sure, and we sure, see sure. that she's struggling. Like she's struggling with the fact that she has betrayed this person that she still has very deep, yeah. if complicated feelings of love for. Yeah. And for this sort of pale imitation of motherhood, we see yeah. where Moira leaves the room and Hicole is very upset. And the, uh, I'm sorry, Barbara... <laughs> What's her name? Bonnie. It's Bonnie Pinks. Bonnie Pinks. Oh my God. I'm just saying it because it is a very funny name to me. Uh, and very weird. Well, before before we move on from that, though, I think my favorite line in this whole episode is Moira telling Serena, you are the gender traitor. Yes! Snap, 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 snap. That snap. was satis- It was equally satisfying in a different way than June saying... At least it wasn't you. Oh, man. Oh, man. Hats off Such to great Yalin. zingers. Hats off to Tuchman. Oh. So she's back in the room. She's holding Hickle. And what I like about this baby is, I don't know if my baby dar is off, but <laughs> I would guess that this baby is teething because when she's Moira's holding her, she's like biting her mm-hmm. shoulder and she's kind of like blah, 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 blah yeah, on yeah. her shoulder. And when she's hol- when uh, Serena's holding her, she's kind of like rubbing her mouth mm-hmm. specifically. So that's cool. just uh, Redheads, I are you a baby? Uh, please yeah. weigh in. God, I love, I also love the kind of improv you have to do with baby actors because mm-hmm. I love, like, Samir Wiley is in the middle of this, like, takedown speech. And when the baby goes, ba, 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 she goes, yeah, ba, ba, ba. Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's <laughs> so great. Cute. And so the Barbara, what's it, Bonnie Pinks? Yeah. I keep wanting to call her Barbara Pinkus. I don't know why. Well, okay, fine. Anyway, Bonnie Pinks. Whose name it's important to me to get right for some reason. She's trying to reassure Serena saying, oh, it's just a little stranger anxiety, which has to be like dagger number one in Serena's Oof. heart. And then she's bouncing her and trying to soothe her. 
and says, it's okay, mama's here. And Bonnie says, you know, you aren't permitted to use that kind of language in these visitations. And it's just like, oh, you know, uh, careful what you wish for, Serena, because you just might get it. I got to say, the social workers of uh, Toronto are crushing it oh absolutely they have the biggest job post gilead Uh and like they have got to be just like all right this is this is my job let's Mm -hmm. get it done so hats off to the social workers the next scene is jayla and he is talking on the phone and he's like trying to calm people on the other side down Mm -hmm. he's like chill out it's not world war three like, this is going to have unintended consequences. Calm down. And I love his point. This is so great where he says, do you have any understanding that it's so much easier to get into a conflict right. than to get out of one? Mm-hmm. Which is why I think fundamentally humanity is doomed. <laughs> because it's like we have been fighting wars our whole remembered history and yeah. probably before that. Yeah. And at no point, like literally every time we're like, no, 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 no. This time, home by Christmas, absolutely. We got this one. (laughs) And so, you know, you got to figure there's so much saber rattling anyway with Mm -hmm. all of these Gilead commanders. And they were like, fuck all these skirmishes. We're going all in on fucking Canada. Think about how fucked up your whole worldview has to be when your plan is, hey, you know that peace-loving maple syrup-soaked <laughs> neighbor of the North? Let's bomb the shit out of them! Yeah, because that's really, I assume, what they're talking about. Because as mm-hmm. we heard in our interview with Dorothy Fortenberry, it's like, they've got the guns. They've the got nukes, the nukes. Specifically. Yeah, they got nuke. the nukes. <laughs> Baby. <laughs> they got the only deadliest thing in the world. <laughs> yes. Um, so that's what Jayla is trying to talk them off the edge of. But more specifically, he's like, don't close the border. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think about that. I was like, oh, no, we're going to be fucked about these kids. And yeah. these shipments. remember when we said maintain? Oh, no. <laughs> Even though from like a policy standpoint, that makes perfect sense. Oh, it makes absolutely perfect sense. It's like, oh, yeah, they're just snatching commanders. From a subversive standpoint, don't close the border. Also, this next line, when he hangs up the phone, I screamed because I was like, were they listening to us? Because he goes, damn, I should have put a bell on you. Ah! <laughs> when Alfred comes in. Because she's just like, hello, Mr. Lawrence. <laughs> and we've been suggesting bell almost day one Mm -hmm. so um i'm gonna take credit for that uh i think you should (laughs) thank you thank you so much and remember you were right about serena (laughs) because you know who responds well to positive praise this guy molly sanchez (laughs) so bertha comes in oh no oh no so bertha's like anyway see you guys later gonna get some kids (laughs) they're like no yeah and this is where stabby june comes out again yeah she manhandles bertha puts her up against a wall and is saying you can't say anything to anybody about this and it is scary it's so horrible and like joey lawrence kind of knows she's right he doesn't really intervene here and oh god and i think oh baby i think is this where bertha says that she's so stupid yeah it was so i don't know if this was I don't I think it was a later scene something in this upset me the most since June got raped last season and it, I know it was a Bertha Rochester thing 
and it might have been this. It's just so horrible to see this woman getting screamed at for things that just aren't her fault. Like, I understand where June is coming from. You know, it's like a number of the stars. Sometimes you have to drug the baby and nobody's happy about it. Um, Oh, dear. I haven't read number of the stars. Oh, well, they drug a baby, but that doesn't really (laughs) tell you anything. (laughs) Okay. So sorry for those of you who haven't read this middle reader book. You know who really wants to adapt number of the stars? Who? Uh, one, Sean Astin. That's his like <gasps> passion project. He's been you working know what? for years. We've definitely talked about this yeah. before, possibly on this podcast. Okay. Um, Sean Astin, if you're listening, uh, give me a call. Big fan of the works of Lois Lowry. Do you have producer level money for Number of the Stars? No, but I talk a lot. All right, everybody, Venmo. <laughs> <laughs> Venmo is for our Number of the Stars adaptation <laughs> to be followed by an Anastasia Krupnik series. Don't at me. <laughs> now, this is the part that gave me the like sinking in my stomach about Bertha Rochester is... Any time someone plans for the future in a wistful way, they're going to die. Yeah. I call this mice and menning. So they really mice and mend her here. I'm not going to tell you why, just in case you haven't read that middle reader book. But <laughs> Oh, sick burn on John Steinbeck. JK. I love, I like John oh, Steinbeck. Oh, that's funny because I don't. Okay, cool. Anyway, um, that's but, a different podcast. Yeah. She, he's really mice and mending her being like, think about the life that we'll have. Uh-huh. And immediately I was like, oh, that's a series out yeah. for Bertha Rochester. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, hey, Bertha, could you just fill out this exit interview just like real quick? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh boy, clean out your desk, Bertha. Oh, no. <laughs> so something I want to call your attention to, and I meant to bring it up when we were talking about Serena. You have it. <laughs> okay. My attention, you have it. Okay. <laughs> in the detention cell, Serena, at the beginning of the scene, starts to put her hair in a very wifely mm-hmm. bun. Yep. And instead she lets it fall. Mm-hmm. And so she has her hair loose. And I want us to think about hair being free is such an expression of freedom. Mm -hmm. But what is interesting in Bertha Rochester's point is her hair is down and she's free, but it's, she is free from sanity. (laughs) Like it is bad. She's free from. Yes. It's Uh not quite a freedom from freedom too. Not quite. I know. I thought, I know you love it when we hit that. I wrote, I wrote that note and then I, I scratched it out. But yeah, so it's like, what is this insanity? If not freedom from the rules of Gilead. Also, but also freedom from life. Back to Bertha Rochester's point about what's the point of having maids if they don't clean anything? <laughs> Can not one of the three other women in this house just like run a comb through her hair real quick? <sighs> yeah. Like, anyway. So, yeah. That's extremely minor. Hair equals freedom. Let's think about that. You know what? You're right. I'm going to stop shaving my snatch. <laughs> <sighs> Who got the nukes, <laughs> baby? <laughs> they go to the detention center, and it's Mister Tuello and uh, the commander, and he goes, "Help us understand Gilead." And I just thought that was interesting. He's talking to the commander about that, and uh, the commander won't. No, I mean basically, he he is trying to put pressure on Fred mm-hmm. to sell out more right. people in Gilead to potentially save himself right and fred's not having it nope i think knowing what we know about fred yeah and his chivalry dick mm-hmm. he is pissed at this guy for like outmanning him 
And Oof. also, for what it's worth, every note that I wrote when Tuello and Serena are in the same room is just make out because yeah. I want them to make out. Tuello is quite literally Mr. Steal Your Girl in this situation. And Fred senses that. I think it's much more that Fred doesn't want to cede any more power to this individual. I think Fred is ultimately a coward. Oh, I would yeah. not be at yes. all surprised if Fred capitulates. But the other thing to keep in mind here, you know, one of the only things that we haven't seen from the books is the epilogue. Mm. And we know from that epilogue that there is this like crackdown in Gilead and this purge. And I'm just very curious how now with Fred being in custody in Canada, like how does that dovetail with these sort of like intervening years. So and it, it, it may be that they just decided that the epilogue is too limiting and maybe they're not going to do it, which I would be very bummed about because, yeah, you know, I love that Arctic char. But I'm just I'm very curious, like, how how does this play out for Fred? Especially knowing that we have another season, it's like really hard because to me, I would have been pretty satisfied. I feel like if this ends how I think it's going to end, I would be satisfied with this being it. The, this, like the third season being the end of the series. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. They, I know they're going to throw me a curveball, so maybe I, I yeah. won't feel that way next week. But yeah, knowing that there's another season, what do you think is in store for Fred? Do you think he like <sighs> kills him? I don't like, I honestly don't know. Fred is not a character I think about often. Yeah. You know, I don't care much for his inner life. Um, You're not like that one weird Facebook group? No, I'm definitely not like that weird Facebook group. I don't like his beard. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, you I know, don't know and either. What I think we have known about Fred, he is a man who has been very smug and secure in his superiority mm. over other people. We love a status flip. And now he is on the complete opposite side of things. Granted, the Ace Hotel is very nice. I know. So, like, he shouldn't feel that bad. It's nicer than my apartment. Right? Like, it's insane. <laughs> Not nicer than your but apartment. But I just, I don't know. Yeah, I really, right. I can't even make a guess here. I feel like a lot of the other characters, I have a sense of what they might do. Yeah. But with him, I feel like he's so reactive to whoever he's with. Yeah. And he's in a situation where he really can't manipulate anything. This is a great way to get into the rest of this scene they're like all right we've kind of done all we can do with you today luke's gonna come in yeah mr ban cole is here to visit you and this was this was so bad this was a ru- this was i rough. this was where i really couldn't even look at the screen yikes um, so we because get- uh i'm very deeply uncomfortable with men me too um- <laughs> so let's just go piece by piece so he offers fucking chivalry dick still full mass and he's like, you want some coffee, some tea, some bourbon? Fuck you. <laughs> fuck, fuck you right fucking off. Fuck, 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 fuck. Blessed be the fuck, Fred. Yeah. So Luke is like, oh, fuck. And he like makes fun of him for his binder. Yeah. And Luke is like, it has taken a lot of therapy and a lot of like reckoning for Luke to get to this point. Uh-huh. And he opens up his binder and he's like, listen, I've done the research on you and I. We grew up the same. Mm -hmm. That is chilling to me. Yeah. Like we went to the same kind of schools. We got the same education. We had the same kind of parents. Except you. We're both men of faith. We're both men of faith. Which I thought was the most interesting part. I thought that was interesting too. Let's unpack that a little bit. Just, you know, we have seen. I don't know that Luke and June are like churchgoers. Yeah. But a relationship with God was something that was important enough for them to baptize hannah yeah that's an important and 
we I loved that conversation with them afterward where Luke says, oh, yeah, you know, it just felt like the right thing to do to say thank you to God. So, yeah, I I just anytime this show really leans into the theology piece, I get very excited. But also I was very upset during this scene. So So upset. We both grew up the same way, except for you choose you chose to like ruin lives or destroy. You chose to destroy lives. I choose to save them. I don't even know that he did he say that part in it because Fred teases him kind of about the unsaid part. Uh I think he doesn't say I choose to save them. He goes, "You choose to destroy lives." I think that's the end of the thought. This is so fucked up. Like, this makes me so mad. Fred is, like, being real gross and smarmy. Also, we had a redhead write-in that said, like, our discussion of Fred made her realize that her boyfriend ain't shit. And they broke up. Uh, So if you're looking for a sign, uh, don't date a person like Fred. (laughs) Yeah. No, listen, this really, honestly, like, that's, like, the greatest thing (laughs) that I think we could possibly achieve with this podcast. Absolutely. Uh, And, baby, we are thinking of you. We think you are the coolest. Mm. You don't need no man. So proud of you. Treat yourself. So proud of you. So he says, well, the June Osborne you used to know is different. And this line reading took years off my life. I When he goes... I've changed her. I am nauseous as you are. Like, I knew, like, honestly, (sighs) I have been dreading just even talking about this scene because it's so upsetting. And I'm like, I don't even know. I'm like, Fred, how self-aware are you even? Because is it like, is this chivalry dick level where he's like, I played Scrabble? You know what I mean? It's just like she never played Scrabble before. I think it's definitely like a power move. It's a power move. It's like a his way of being like, and is this the chivalry dick slipping and we're seeing the ball sack of cruelty that backs it up? You know what nope. I'm saying? Nope. Yep. <laughs> yep. Nope. Yep. We're doing it. Appropriate. We're doing it. It's appropriate and somehow inappropriate. Because Fred's whole jam, he has stuck to his party line, which is that he's creating a better world for <laughs> most people. But he also believes he's creating a better world specifically for the women in his orbit. Ugh. So gross this is one of the first times we really get a sense that underneath there is this seething dark heart that really enjoys subjugating women i mean i believe you know we have all uh figured that out Uh. but he is maybe acknowledging this and he's definitely again because he is he is impotent in the face of tuello he still has a screw to turn when it comes to luke bankhole Oh, that's such a good point. Yeah. Oh, and he that. turns it. He's like, he's trying to get Ugh. some of that status back, even if it's a Pyrrhic victory. And I think even Luke punching him is a victory for Fred because he made him lose yep. control. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, God. Fred in this scene reminds me so much of this dude I used to date who was so horrible. Anyway. Once again, do not date a Fred. Yeah. Don't date a Fred. <laughs> like, if you must date a Nick, okay, fine. We all, we all, we've all dated Nick. Yeah, we've all gone to battle of bands. <laughs> <laughs> so the next. Oh, once again. Oh, uh, sorry. Where Nick? Where Nick? Where Nick? <laughs> I don't know. Don't really care. He would love the Ace Hotel. God. Nick <laughs> would love the Ace Hotel. <laughs> they have. They have Jimi Hendrix's guitar in the lobby. It's just in the lobby. Did you know you can buy a t-shirt? <laughs> I'm going to buy a t-shirt. Is that weird? I'm going to cut those sleeves off. It'll be fine. Yeah, it'll be great. <laughs> fucking hate Nick. <laughs> <laughs> the next scene is in Bertha's room. 
I think we all knew this wasn't going to end well. I knew it wasn't going to end well. I think this must be it. Having like because I'm having involuntary like emotional reactions. It was so hard. It's real. I have you know. There's a lot. There's a lot of personal like stuff around this mm-hmm. for me. And it was so, so bad. Cause basically as soon as June walked in the room and she wasn't responding, I was like, Oh no, I thought maybe this was going to be Chekhov's gun, but then I really, everybody would have heard we it go off. Heard, yeah. And I Bertha is happen. gasping, very raspy breaths. June looks over. There is a pill bottle. It looks like she, opened a bunch of capsules because there's powder everywhere so i don't even know what drugs these are yeah they're you know they're not her mood stabilizers yeah and you know so she's she's gotten a hold of something lethal yeah and trigger warning like very obvious overdose suicide yeah and we see june move very quickly toward the door and then she fucking stops she just stops. Yeah. And I am over it with June. What do you mean? I'm done with her. What does that mean? This is so fucked up. This is so fucked up. I know the point is to really draw the connection to what Fred said about June is not the person that you knew. Mm-hmm. And she's not. Mm-hmm. And I felt that since the heroic episode. Well, actually, just before the heroic episode. Right. When we see her sort of reveling in her own ball sack of cruelty in loaves and fishes. But this is a new level of June Mm. being selfish. Right. Mm. And I just, I would just fucking hope that if I ever was going to try to kill myself, if somebody fucking found me, they would try to fucking save me. Of course. And it is just, does it always bother you? Because this is kind of a common sort of dark TV trope of like letting somebody die. Does that kind of always bother you? It's like? this situation okay. specifically. Like if I if I really thought Bertha Rochester would be better off dead and the, just the framing of this was different, I would have a different reaction. This is the dressing down that June gave her earlier tipped Bertha in this direction. Oh, you th- do you think? Mm-hmm. Hmm. I do. She was so hopeful. She wanted to save all these kids. And again, we know that Bertha's brain chemistry is fucked. She's not being properly medicated. There's a lot going on there. But it's like Bertha decided after she was like, I'm so stupid. She decided, you know what? I have what I think is a moment of clarity, which probably wasn't a moment of clarity. Joseph and June and Beth and Sienna and these 52 children are all better off if I just take myself out of the picture. Mm. And when June decided that she agreed with that, like, Mm. I'm not into it, June. Like, I'm interested to see where the story goes, but I am emphatically not on her side anymore. Wow. That's so interesting. And she did this not even to save her own child, you know? Just for the, the royal child. Exactly. Like yeah. there's there is a way there's a way that this could work without letting Bertha die. Yeah. And it's higher risk, but fuck, dude. Anyway, yeah. this fucked with me. I think that's a mark of of good storytelling. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sorry that that was hard. <laughs> yeah. So here's one thing I want us to think of. We talked about in the first scene June's monologue says boots outside the hallway mm-hmm. equal death. Mm-hmm. I think it is no surprise then that as she is walking away from Bertha's room as she's like letting her die. Ooh, it zooms in on her boots. Good Foley. Yeah. Good Foley, Molly. <laughs> you 
Thank you. So then we get this beautiful shot of June lying on the bed, transitioning to day with her <sighs> face still open and then hearing Sienna finding Mrs. Lawrence. And scream. And the, she came to Mrs. Lawrence's room to bring her food. Mm-hmm. And so she took it into the room, but then she very deliberately put it outside the door right so it's again it's a call back to when the lawrences had tried to escape and sienna found the tray outside (laughs) her door god sienna i feel sorry for oh baby i mean but i'm like where where is she gonna go that's actually better you know what i mean like no this is i think a very interesting transition scenically we go from june lying in bed awake to serena lying in the chair asleep Mm -hmm. Which uh, I was very impressed that she managed to fall asleep in that position. I know. Because I am a stomach sleeper from way back and I have got to be in a very specific position. And this is a very deliberate shot of in front of her face is we see her pinky stump and we see her wedding ring finger with her wedding ring still on. Is this the first time we've seen the stump? Might be. I think it might be. Like We've is. seen her applying medication to it, but I don't think we've seen... No. The stump itself. This is the stump's first appearance. But it healed up nicely. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, as nicely as one's yeah. the oppression severed finger can. Yeah. So then Truella comes in. This is very cute. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think I'm reading too much into it to say, like, Truella got a crush on her. He does. And that's very ethically a gray area. But, but also... Make out! Make out. Well, look, how often can we actually root for anybody on this Come show to on. make out? <laughs> We're like, this seems reasonably safe. Though I do have to say, almost every time I air like an inappropriate sexual feeling on this show, I do get lots of emails from other redheads who are like, no, I felt that too. That's nice. So that is. Uh, I'm glad that y'all have your own support. <laughs> uh, come to my bosom, Cretan redhead. <laughs> he brings her pizza, which, as my Tinder bio says, is my love language. Um, LOL, it's not. So hold up. Like, I recognize that on the scale of human rights violations, this is not a big deal. Oh, but boy. they all have pizza in Gilead? Oh. Right? I guess unless Fuck. your Martha makes pizza. Like, right? you'd be a great Martha. Oh, you know I'd be an amazing Martha. A lot of pizza. Yeah. But, yeah, but it's like, oh, are they just not, they're just not pizza-ing in Gilead. I, I didn't necessarily get that impression. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, I'm sure it's not great pizza. I mean, just, I mean, Beth makes great pesto. You that's know what I true. love is a pesto pizza. Mm. I bet some, that's the funny thing about Martha's is like, you could either get lucky like with beth and have a martha who was a chef Mm -hmm. in a previous life or you just get a lady yeah (laughs) i was an accountant but okay she's like uh here's a tuna casserole i guess i don't know like what is y'all got lean cuisine (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah i love that he brought her pizza uh toronto redheads is the pizza actually good i'd be curious to know important to note too serena changed clothes fred didn't this is interesting so let's think about the times when men give serena treats for lack of a better Mm, word mm -hmm. so we see past episode fred gave her the treat of you can drive Mm -hmm. and tuello gives her the treat of pizza but more appropriately he gives her the newspaper i ask and he says this he goes i'd be curious to hear your thoughts which i think an article about religion specifically it's an article about media bias as it pertains to religion, which we can unpack, but let's stay with this yeah. point really quick. I think the sort of difference between Fred's treats and Tuella's treats is Fred's treats is like, hey, you can drive for a little bit back to me. And oh. Tuella's treats is like, what do you think? And 
Fred's treats are still for Fred. Oh, yeah. It's not that Truella is not playing a deeper game here because right. he is. But he knows that this is something she will enjoy. Yeah. And that enjoyment is for her. I love that. Yeah. Ugh. It's so great. So cute. Now, let's talk about media bias as it pertains to religion. So meta. <laughs> so meta. <laughs> so meta. And flesh that out. Say more. Well, one of my favorite media critics is Alyssa Rosenberg at the Washington Post. She runs like basically a a column or a page for them called Act 4 that engages with pop culture through the lens of politics. And one of the things that I've loved so much about the way that she engages with media is really calling out and paying attention to media that has a serious engagement with faith. Mm. And I really appreciate that as somebody who was a person of faith for a long time. And like, I'm figuring out now, like much later in life, like how do I engage with that? Mm. But it's always, those are very interesting stories to me. Like I want to see characters grappling with the big questions through these lenses of faith, which it, you know, it's uncommon because there's so many different faiths that somebody can belong to or so many different spiritual expressions. And I think that this show, I would love to see more of it on this show, Mm -hmm. but we have seen a lot of different people practicing a lot of different religions Mm -hmm. and the sort of universality of wanting to have that expression contrasted with what happens when you completely pervert that expression as with Gilead. The way that I read it was sort of media bias as it pertains to religion is maybe this like knee jerk, like we're like some liberal media, you hear Christian or like faith and your Mm -hmm. butthole tightens. Yeah. And you're like automatically mad. And I think if I could try to like empathize with how conservatives feel sometimes is maybe conservatives are like, it bothers me that people have this knee jerk feeling towards this thing that feels good to me and feels mm-hmm. right to me and no. doesn't make me a bad person. Absolutely. I actually, I had this conversation with my aunt, Aunt Diane. I don't know why the fuck you'd be listening to this, but <laughs> shout out to you. But you Hope know, you liked that seeing on the tease joke a few episodes ago, <laughs> Aunt Diane. Aunt Diane, don't dig any deeper into that. Yeah. yeah. But you know, I was talking to her because one of the things that's tough for me, I love living in California. Mm-hmm. I'm not leaving. Same. But, Living in California is challenging as somebody from the Midwest because people who grew up here have such a bias and it's this bias you're describing where you think of people in the Midwest as sort of rubes and people who are sort of, you know, ruled by their faith. Right. And it is true that specifically Christian faith occupies a bigger piece of the landscape for them. But at the same time, it's like, can you not then also have compassion for this thing? Can you not worthwhile? Yeah. And just saying, Hey, like this thing is really important to you. Okay. Like don't, don't automatically assume you know a person because of their faith. Right. Because I know, you know, I know people all over the political spectrum in Ohio who have very different political beliefs and very different attitudes about how should society function. Yeah. I love that. I think that's very smart. This is where she's like, well, he's still my husband. Yeah. And, you know, and it's just, you know, as we sort of look, we, we have had this come up already of just, you know, Luke having to like go through all of this very difficult work Mm -hmm. to get to the point where he's at. But it's like, what is that going to look like for Serena? Yeah. Because she was Ugh. in 
technically an abusive relationship, right? Yeah. And it was also an abusive relationship where she did a lot of work to create and maintain yeah. that relationship on both the micro and the macro level. Yeah. And it's like, at what point is she ever going to be able to let go of that? Yeah. And I mean, and we heard Fred do classic abuser shit yeah. where he yelled at her and he was like, you know, I sacrificed Eh, huh? sacrifice like he <laughs> sacrificed his career for her uh-huh. everything was always about her yeah. this is all about her uh-huh. and it's like no dude like for whatever fucking reason she helped create a world where somehow fred greater than serena which is dumb yeah. because she is so much better than you on every possible level that is something that i would look forward to in season four is like seeing serena's life as it evolves mm-hmm. past gilead because it's not going to be as clean it's not going to be clean it's going to she has to wrestle with and i'm like now i'm like champing at the bit to see like does she go to a support group that's mm-hmm. survivors of gilead yeah. who want to speak to a wife directly and what yeah and like what if that's all there is in canada yeah. is like oh it's just like a bunch of hammies oh yeah there's not a lot like, of oh, we don't really want you here that would be something so interesting to grapple with and my only wish is like i get how thematically dark and interesting it would be if it's like fuck that just kills serena and serena yeah. kills herself i don't want that to happen i think it'd be much more interesting to wrestle with and and maggie atz talks about this in handmaid's tale too about the woman who was the girlfriend of a Nazi and who is yes. interviewed on TV and yep. like how does she live her life and unfortunately I think in that example in the book that person kills himself yeah. too so if we are thinking that it's a direct analog to that then maybe that maybe. happens I don't want it to because she's my favorite character in this show I also want to give big props because I know we give them a hard time right. but I think the writer's room has <laughs> definitively exploded the possibility yeah. of season four yeah. being June back in the Waterford's house yes I don't think that'll we're happen n- <laughs> we're not going back there so yeah. great job y'all it, great job hey I'm proud of you Hey, I'm proud of you too. Keep going. Uh, and Bruce, go to the bathroom. <laughs> so we, yeah. heard, we heard through the grapevine that sometimes you get busy and you don't go to the bathroom. Yeah. And that's bad for your temptum. Yeah. So go it's to the bathroom. Very Im- it's very important. Take care of your kidneys. All right. The next scene is in Chez Panisse. Just kidding. That's uh, Joey Lawrence's house. Um, <laughs> everybody's getting stuff ready for the funeral after party. I loved how as much as hard as it was for me to watch June let Bertha die. Yeah. I love the way they handle the aftermath of her death mm-hmm. because they're just very quietly prepping things in the kitchen. And I love just, it seems like Beth's coping strategy is to become extremely detail oriented because mm-hmm. she tells Sienna, you know, get these plates, make sure they're not chipped. Yeah. Cause she wants a nice send off for Bertha whose actual name is Eleanor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now that she's dead. Um, <laughs> And you in know, keeping with our dumb rules, <laughs> once someone dies, you have to be respectful. As soon as somebody dies in the Hammond's tale, we got to be nice. <laughs> um, you know, and Sienna's just saying, oh, like the bread came out nice. I'm like, that sounds about right for you, Sienna. Yeah, bud. And oh, fuck. Uh, the- J-Law comes in mm-hmm. and he's got some bottles of wine. Mm-hmm. He says that it was her favorite. And he was saving it for their anniversary. And then fucking June, June does the thing that I hate where somebody tells a a story and is very vulnerable and then they're like, oh yeah, well one time, (laughs) (laughs) I know know she's trying, I know know she's trying to cheer him up 
to some degree and and you know she tells him this story and it's, it's a good story june i just don't know that he needs to hear it right now about how luke bought her favorite pinot for their wedding but he left it in the car overnight in boston so it froze and shattered so they didn't get their pinot on their wedding day their car probably stank. yeah and then i'm like wow what a horrendous metaphor for like life in gilead as well but because gilead froze and exploded your marriage <laughs> Wow, Jesus. Something else to think about, though, is like we talked last episode or two episodes ago about sharing drinks as a love language. Yes. And mm-hmm. this is definitely like doubling down on yep. the drink sharing as yep. a love language. They talk about um, he kept the border open because it's hard to argue with a man in mourning. And that was such a gut punch. Oof, man. Because I feel like, you know, we had our sort of like climax, uh-huh. like the emotional climax of this episode, at least for me, yeah. was with bertha's death and now we're in you know the sort of the denouement portion it's like oh by the way um to me this whole episode didn't feel as raw to me it felt like the calm before the storm uh of what i i think that's true i think it was also the perfect storm for me on a lot of levels like it was just like it was just like the hits just kept on coming yeah I also love Imas's try not to cry acting. I think that was really uh-huh. good. Yeah. The next scene is fe- because this is really important. He says something about I should have gone to check on her. Oh, yeah. And again, June, fucking done with you. June says, I could have gone to check on her. Don't do that. But we know, once again, irony, like she did fucking check on her and she didn't do anything to stop it. And she is somehow still able to fucking look at this man and talk to him. Now, granted, look, I realize it's complicated. Right. Is a Bertha Rochester worth 52 children's safety? Yes, probably. Right. But like, fuck. Those are crazy table stakes. Yeah. Look, I mean, look, uh, morality's hard. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) So the next scene is the funeral with the veiled wives. This is a cool thing to yes, see. I, Good on you, Bronfman. Now I did not care for the fascinators. I would have liked a broader no, hat, but I do appreciate cool. anytime the wives look goofy. So this is interesting because so far in the series, we've seen a handmade funeral and we've seen now a wife, a wife funeral. funeral and there's a wife colored casket. Yeah. And June is not wearing her veil. So it seems like the logic is you remember when it was the big mm-hmm. handmaid and they all had the red mm-hmm. veil on that obscured their faces, but June does not have that on here. So it may be a sign of respect for the person like of your class right. to do that. And then if you're part of a different group, like you don't do that. I think that's probably a good interpretation or they just switch costume directors. Possibly. Uh, I but was- I think that to me, that image is so striking. Yeah. And it's not like the costume designer isn't like referring back right. to what they did. Like, you right. know, there's records. There's, uh, you can just watch it on Hulu. <laughs> I'm like, hey, go back. I did like, I did think it's so jarring to have the all red and white Handmaid's Tale out- Handmaid's Outfit completely black serving mm-hmm. like Meryl Streep in doubt realness. <gasps> oh my um, gosh. Yeah. Really scary. The other thing I want to point out too is the, all of the husbands and the commanders are in black and J-Law is wearing gray. Yeah. Very interesting. And always the opposite of black sheep. I guess the gray sheep. The gray <laughs> sheep. 
we see Mr. Putnam giving this sermon. So this is something else, you know, speaking of media representation of faith. Oh. I have been curious, like, what does quote unquote church look like for them? Uh-huh. And it seems like maybe they all do at home worship, like right. based on what we've seen. So like, there's not a minister. We saw the guy, the commander at the the mass wedding, right? Uh-huh. And he officiated the mass wedding. So that was probably just another commander. Yeah. So commanders are just sort of, they are the figureheads. They yeah. are the, the leaders of faith yeah. within their own households. And then I guess, you know, I don't know. They like draw straws <laughs> to be like, who's in charge? His sermon was like a rare glimpse into like Gilead's fragility. Uh-huh. Because he says, we did not ease her pain or soothe her troubled soul. Mm-hmm. That's so interesting. That seems right? so weird to admit that they couldn't help her. Yeah. And it's so strange because I don't think anybody feels any particular remorse about not giving her the medicine that Me she neither. needed. So I don't get what And that I is. think it's like, well, and they can't blame God, right? Yeah. So all that's left is to be like, you know, we just couldn't figure out yeah. how to help this person. At the same time, at least they're not blaming Bertha. Sure. You know? Yeah, they they do a little light, like, forgive her for her sins. Yeah. That's just like... And I mean, yeah. And I mean, they're having a funeral. Yeah. Which, you know, in some traditions, like, they won't... I think that's changed now. That, like, you can't be buried in, you know, the the cemetery of your faith and a priest or, you know, whoever, you know, whoever the, the... commander of your faith is like they won't give you a proper burial if you commit um, but i think that's changed okay for a lot of denominations probably not all but it's just like hey um yeah we have a different understanding of what mental health is and yeah. like this actually like it's not really the person's fault in the way that we always thought it was right oof rough this ends with jayla alone and aunt lydia was there aunt lydia was there and yeah so june actually like asks permission basically because like everybody's going in for mm-hmm. you know punch and pie and june asks if she can stay behind mm-hmm. from aunt lydia and so then she goes up to j law who's standing graveside they and they're burying her on their property which i also yeah. thought was interesting, oh, interesting. um Do you think so because there's a bunch of other graves there oh really yeah there's like a Graves to the left of her and graves to the right of her. So I actually... Hmm. Graves to the left of me, graves to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with Whitford. No, so... Okay, sorry. I did not clock yeah, that. I so I didn't, I didn't I think catch. it's like a block away. <laughs> it's probably near enough, but no, I don't believe... Yeah, I think okay. the only person buried on her property is that one uh, Martha. Who's that actually very briefly at the very beginning of this, when I really thought it was on their property, I was like, oh, they're going to find oh, the body. Oh, no. <laughs> I can't take any more my heart. <laughs> They're standing together and she kind of asks him like, do you want me to say something? Yeah. Or just, she's like, would you rather be alone? And he doesn't say anything. And so she kind of copies him and folds her hands in front of her. And it's a very like death kind of pose. Cause mm-hmm. it's like two hands clasped over each other and close to your body. And he gives her a look, a very loaded look. A and very something loaded bad look. is going to happen. And I, in the same way when Reister gave her that look, I was like, how could you know? And he does the same thing. I think it's more likely that he could have clocked yeah. something. Yeah, yeah. Yikes, something bad is going to happen. Something bad <laughs> is going to happen. And then we get, I couldn't tell, was it a pan? But like it like cuts to... 
we see her hands, then it's just all black, but then it's a pan up for an extreme Emos face close up. It's like that one sketch that keeps making. No, I know. I was like, oh my God. And I just, what did you make of that? Like, I honestly don't know. It's inc- what to think. It's incredibly chilling because all we see are her eyeballs. We don't get to see her like mouth or uh-huh. anything. So we're really left to wrestle with how is she feeling? How is, is she, she feeling? feeling like Grinch Alfred? When and previously when we've seen her face, we've seen her whole face, so we get a little her mouth will mm-hmm. give us a hint of of what's going on, but just the eyes is so chilling and it's like some shit is going about to go down. No, and I think it's also like, who is this person? Oh, yeah. Like tying back into, you know, what Fred has said, as much as we hate the way that Fred framed it, and particularly this season. And yeah. I think having more information, I'm like, okay, like the writers are really setting us up to not be on her side. Like, yeah. I think, you know, your mileage may vary. Yeah. You may be in my corner where you're like, nope, shut it down. But also just like June is not hopeful the way that she has been no june is now running it feels to me on pure tactics and pure instinct and yeah you know we haven't heard her say anything about hannah no which is a red flag to me you mean what you know where is her hope what is what is the thing Mm. that's keeping her going if anything spite and yeah but i mean that's not sustainable no like you can't run on woman cannot run on spite alone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it it really reminded me of those very eerie like old animated Disney movie cutaways uh-huh. where it's like it would go black everything but the villain's yes. eyes. Like I think it's yes. Snow White they do it. Absolutely. It, it was like very much that mm-hmm. and well used. Yeah. So I mean I <sighs> I'm so anxious. I'm excited. Shout out to the director of the episode Denise Gamza Erguven. Denise I, so sorry, Denise. <laughs> Denise was like, I'll do it. I'll do it. I really I'll care. direct. I'll direct it. <laughs> um, uh, she's actually, she's Turkish. Oh, interesting. Uh, she grew up and was educated in France and then I believe went back to Turkey for a time and That's then left because cool. they didn't like a movie she made. Yeah, she quit cold turkey. Yeah. If you know what I mean. <laughs> um, real quick before we end, let's talk about the title Sacrifice. Yes. So, so I wrote a list of like things we have sacrificed. We've sacrificed Eleanor. Lawrence to the cause. Mm-hmm. We've sacrificed Fred to get Serena into Canada, and we sacrificed June's morality, mm-hmm. sort of to, in the process to save of these children. Yeah, we think Rita is about to sacrifice her life. <laughs> Brugal, we love you so much. Look, you know what? It would be a strong storytelling choice. Yeah, it, it is. Be. Look, we want them to kill the big characters. Yeah, we want them to have the courage of their convictions. Put our murder where our mouth is. But why it have to be Brugal? How they eat? <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> that was a particularly harrowing episode. So yeah. make sure you take extra special good care this week. Uh, we'll be back next week with the finale. The finale. And then we're gonna take a break. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> alright, take care of yourself. Take care of your girlfriends and Nolite te bastardes carborundorum. Dum 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 I'm gonna go listen to that on Spotify right now. It's in a good episode of um never mind. Raising hope, raising hope. Cliffhanger. 